Hey everyone. We are on the second episode of Where's This Going? I'm Felix Levine, and today I'm super excited to be joined by Izzy Pollock, who is an actor, director, evangelist. He also is the co-founder of Talking to Teens, which helps parents raising their teenagers. He is, more importantly and more actively right now, working as the creative director of Genies, which Genies is, I would say, the future of the virtual identity on the internet, in a way. Um, it's also the future of interacting with friends, family, and other through having a human clone of yourself. They're the most intelligent, the best looking, and the most enhanced. Uh, would you describe it as bitmojis? I would say in that ballpark, we can get into it. Yeah, avatars. Avatars yeah. is the word. And so, I'm actually no longer the creative director at Genies. What do you know? I'm now the evangelist at Genies. Beautiful. That is my title. Just to clarify, because I think the creative director role can sound um, like very uh, visionary. Like it's like, what does that even mean, right? But it actually does. So what does it? What? So what does? What is your role right now, and what do you do on a daily basis? So right now, my focus is how do you connect brands with avatars? How do you find really cool ways for brands to express themselves and to empathetically and personally engage their customer base? With avatars, because like like you said, it's not just this two D like cutout comic strip version of you, the simplified bitmoji that Snapchat has, right? That's cute and it's communicative, and they struck a note and they galvanized the idea of avatars. They popularized it very much the same way that Bird popularized um, micro transportation. Um, but what's interesting is that when you're the spearhead, you have a higher chance of breaking. And while you'll pierce through a layer, it's more so opening a gap for other people to rush in. In the case of Bird, it was like Uber. Sorry, uh, in the case of Bird, or in the case of yeah, in the case of Bird, it was like Uber and Lyft and all these other micro transportation people rushed in with Bitmoji. They opened up the opportunity for moms, kids in high school, middle schoolers to all be able to know the idea of an avatar. So would you? I mean. You're probably most likely, I'd say the majority of the people using it are the Gen Z millennials. But I think what's also, I mean, I've, you know, I've toured with the app and I've kind of checked it out. It's super easy to use. Like old, older people who are maybe not as technologically savvy can easily use it and easily communicate with it. And I think one of the main things that interested me was kind of how cool it is when it reacts to events. And that's kind of like the, a little bit mind-blowing if you think about it, that you have these, you know, I make my own virtual identity and then I see it react to politics or sports. I think that's kind of a, it's crazy. I mean, don't you like, do you ever feel like you're maybe kind of, you know, some people are afraid of where the, the internet's going, where technology is going, that it's maybe too intrusive. What would you say to that? Hmm. You know, I would say the same thing to that as I will say about uh, the way I think about our president in like a large scale, like long term geopolitical perspective in that I think um, technology is um, anything that pushes us and stretches, stretches us as a species, as a, you know, whatever the hell we are, um, as an animal, um, anything that stretches us and causes us to change helps us become more resilient. 
like very much like an antidote or like an antibody. It's the reason we get vaccinated. And so I think about technology and the way I think about Donald Trump, President Trump, is that it's a necessary vaccine. It's like polio is a hell of a disease, but if you pump yourself with a little tiny bit of it, you're not going to get fucked by it when it turns its ugly head. And technology is incredibly dangerous and incredibly beautiful. You know, it's like nuclear energy. It's incredibly dangerous. Have you always been, I mean, we'll get to your acting and your previous stuff after, but have you always been this kind of, have thought about technology and have been as interested in technology as you are now that you work on it on a daily basis? I would say I was less, I've, I'm actually less interested in technology now than I, when, when I was a kid. I was more interested in games and gadgets and computers and the fastest blah, 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 always. And now what it kind of comes down to is what does it mean on a human level? Like I'm more interested in how it affects us. Being in a place that is has a massive responsibility, I think, to take into consideration the problems that we can inject in people by being numbers-based and by being conversion-based. You know, how do we get more clicks? How do we get more this? How do we get more that? It's a very dangerous place to be when you take out the human element. And it's the reason Facebook is addicting. It's the reason we had Russian troll farms fucking with our, actually currently fucking with the 2020 elections. So don't think that it's like, anyways. So most people don't take that into consideration in Silicon Valley. You know, if you watch uh, the documentary on Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, that she is, you know, it's not her fault that she did all these things. Everyone's so mad at Elizabeth Holmes. She's like, how dare she do that? And it's like, nah, she, it's like, what happens when you put a puppy into a home um, that has, that trains for dog fights? It's like, it's going to become a vicious animal. And so what are you going to blame the dog? Is it the dog's fault? Should we kill the dog? You know, is it Elizabeth Holmes's fault? I don't know. So we have a responsibility and it might be super dangerous to put avatars in between us but i also think it brings us closer and reminds us why we're human well there's also yeah there's i was gonna say that but also the avatars specific to genies and the way that they're kind of designed make them very likable and make them very personable in a way which is kind of weird because you're like holy shit this is a human clone of a person of a real life person but they're designed so well that they have a really like sweet element almost so what kind of uh, i'm more getting at to, to how you guys came about this design style if that's you what the conversation is like when you're kind of getting to that point of look we're going to make these human clones these avatars what are they going to look like they could look like endless things so what for you what does that discussion look like at genies it definitely comes down to obsession and paranoia at the end of the day. There's that one, I was actually gonna talk, speaking of paranoia, um, Akash. Uh, so for you, for people who don't know, Akash Nagam is the CEO and founder, or one of- Co-founder. Co-founder. Um, and I was listening to an interview the other day and he was talking about, you guys have product paranoia sessions. Tell me about it. It's when you take a step back and you look at the bigger picture. Because on a day-to-day, -day, you know, in any, well-tuned machine or in any, you know, I just kind of blew my load, but in any uh, well-tuned company, there are machine um, elements, there are machine modes, as we call them. We call them machine mode. And it's like, okay, we've honed in on our target. How do we fight like hell to get to that place? Um, 
And when you're in those machine modes, you're like in the weeds. You're not necessarily thinking like, oh, okay, from an operational standpoint, top down, how do we execute our core objectives? You're just like, nah, fucking grind through a hundred fucking cold emails and then do a thousand phone calls and then do a hundred thousand, you know, text messages to a bunch of high school kids, literally um, hundreds of thousands of of (laughs) sends or whatever it might be waking up with. 100,000 text messages, and then you're like, okay, but are we even going in the right direction? And that becomes really hard to think about unless you have those product paranoia sessions. Yeah, at what point did you think this is actually this may actually be going in the right direction? Because I'm sure there are a lot of days you're like, oh, is this, there's a lot of days of doubt, I imagine, especially in a, in a startup. Um, but what when did you kind of feel like you guys, okay, this is this is legit. We can really do something with this. I think you get glimpses of that every so often. And so the company's been around, um, you know, for four or five years, started in Akash's dorm. Um, but the way it's evolved and where we're at now, it's pretty much been a sprint for the last, you know, two and a half years, two years starting with our beta back in August of 2017. Um, and the beta, beta is actually just about to be wrapping up. So that's going to be incredible to see kind of, because even what you've been playing with, I would say is still like a, just a public beta. Right. That's what I was saying. It's like, it's still, it's, it's a very, it's an incredible app, but it still feels like this is just the start. The way I look at it, man, is it's like we're at the technological advancement uh, equivalent of like a VHS tape, right? Wow. <laughs> that's where we're at. And it's super important, I think, as humans to not forget that because I think even on a human scale, it's like we're still literal monkeys until we start plugging robots into ourselves. But as far as avatars yeah. are concerned, we're at like VHS, you know, and even the aesthetic of it, you mentioned the aesthetic and the personality. What, it, right, Like I said, it's obsession and it's paranoia. It's obsessed with the blinking. It's like all of us at a table being like, nah, dude, like the fucking eyes, bro, like they need to be way more open, like when they laugh. Otherwise, it looks fucking creepy, dude. Like you got to go back in there and do some like more, like a thousand more yeah, calls. So tell me, wait, tell me more. I'm, I'm kind of curious because you always, you think of like these ideas and these conversations that take place and the, the general atmosphere of what it's like Sorry. at a startup in Silicon Valley or in some of these big technological hubs. Yeah. But I'm wondering like, what is it actually like when you're in that office yeah. and you guys, is it, are you guys sitting around a table? Are you different guys breed. screaming from across the room? It's a different breed. I think the biggest thing in Silicon Valley, what they talk about often is culture, right? Um, culture is what's going to make or break the company because, you know, bad companies fail with adversity. Good companies stay steady and then great companies are better after they're faced with pitfalls. And Akash has single-handedly crafted a culture unlike anything Silicon Valley has ever seen. And I think we'll ever see, to be honest, because he's made, he likes to joke. He's like, I don't uh, build companies. I build people. His whole thing is loyalty. His It's familial. It's loving you until the fucking end of the earth and like seeing your potential and extracting that from you, which is greater than any product that you could ever think of. Um, you know, it's alchemy. It's turning iron into fucking gold when you're working with people and that's his focus. And Silicon Valley does do that, but he's outside of the dogma, you know? There's a reason we're in Los Angeles. There's a reason why he took the company from San Francisco a year ago to LA. And it's because it's important to break molds when you're redefining communication and interaction. So I first want to give people who might not be familiar with Akash and his story. And correct me if I'm wrong on some of the facts. This is just kind of a general 
thing of what I know. So Akash Nagam, he had this idea for Genies or to start this startup. And he wanted, correct me if I'm wrong, he wanted to drop out of school and to pursue this. And his parents were like, well, you're not dropping out of school. If you are, then you have to raise enough money to get this rolling. That's basically the vibe. And so he was like, I'm going to do it. And so he ended up raising, I don't know if that's a public number. Uh, what is it? Yeah, it's like a few million dollars. Cool. And so so he did it. And so he dropped out and he started Genies. And here he is today. How old is he today? 27. And he's been, And it's been four or five years. So he is doing this at 22. So what do you think? I mean, you kind of touched on a few things. Um, but what do you think makes him special and someone that you now work for, work with? Um, what, what really, like, did he sell you? Or what kind of person is he for people who might not know him? You know, I don't think you've ever met someone who is more committed to success and and the way that he signs that signature is through his work ethic through his ability to deliver what he knows how to deliver consistently and that's one of the things that makes anyone a craftsman and anyone you know a great is the ability to turn it on when they like it doesn't matter if you're a politician or you're an athlete or you're a musician or you're running a company like him you find your lane and you run as fast as you can in it and if you can keep doing that over and over you have a career that's what i was telling you about the scalability of opportunity the real important thing at being 19 is like how do you figure out how the fuck do i figure out what i'm the best at better than anyone else in a room 9.9 out of 10 times that's the whole point it's everything that anyone should be focused on until they're i mean until they figure it out, literally, right? Until you yeah. figure out what that is, you should be sprinting towards that. And he did that really early, and then he just honed in on his craft. You know, since he was 14, he's been entrepreneurial. And so he has a bunch of experience under his belt. He's been doing it. He likes to tell to me, he's like, yo, Izzy, shut the fuck up and just like take in what I'm communicating to you because I've been doing this for 10 years and I want you to do it faster than you would anywhere else. He's like, I just want you to understand and get the lessons that has taken me 10 years in a lot less time because I'm investing in you. I'm not investing in who you'll become, not necessarily who you are. That's the crazy thing about startups. It's like, how the fuck is this, you know, motley crew of 20 something year olds worth a couple hundred million dollars? How is that possible? And it's because the potential is in the hundreds of billions as someone who were just, I can't even tell you who, but they were part of founding a dating app. Um, this person's uh, going to be working with us soon, confidentially speaking. <laughs> and um, it's just one of those things that when you get everyone in your lane, when you get everyone in their proper lane, it's like you can, when he, before, since he was 14, he's like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to go, I'm going to shoot to the moon. He just knew it. And he's been sprinting, and that's why I work for him. What, how did you first him. meet, and how did you first meet him? The f- way I first met him, I was hired back in August of 2017 for the beta, for the beginning of our, our Genie's beta. As what, what was your role when you first got hired? I was a brief writer. So they were looking for people. <laughs> they were looking for like comedians and screenwriters who... Um, who could help convert news to short form animation starring you. So that, right, that's what you love most about it. Yeah. 
you love the idea that it's like a personalized newsfeed. And so that's what we're about to drop, essentially. Because what's happening is in a few days, we're going to be announcing these personalized GIFs that help you stay current, stay relevant, and help you communicate about those things in a personalized and empathetic way. So that's the beauty of what we're about to release in a few days. That's really going to be the beginning of the genius living off the platform because that's really where it's at. And there's also one other thing that I saw is um, it's there was even on, on the site, I think it was on the weather app, you'll soon have, you could even have your, your, your genie like react to the weather or move like be in incorporated in that app is that right there's something and also and the same way it kind of reacts to events like when it when you say when when we say it's going to react to events what's that going to look like is it going to come up as a notification is it what's that going to look like yeah it'll be like um it's like your genie um your genie just copped like balenciaga slides and then you'll go to the app and you'll be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and you'll be rocking them. And then you'll look and you'll be able to communicate about it. Or it'll be like there's like a storm coming. And then you check and it's like you're at lightning in a bottle. And it's kind of like something like uh, who would be playing? Like Rufus Soul like is dropping an album and that's how we tell you. Right? There's a storm coming and it's like Rufus Soul. Now you So have. when you uh, – but does that mean you also have to have communication or partnerships with other apps or with Apple itself? Yeah. I How mean, does that work? So – well, you mean in regards to like the song rights? Yeah. Well, so, well, yes. No. So if you, if it's through like, if there's a thunderstorm coming, mm. how do you have your genie or how do you guys from a, from your standpoint have that connection with the weather app? Mm. How, are, how do those kind of come together? Yeah. Well, I think that's the beauty of our SDK. Um, and that kind of breaks up into what are the three elements, the foundational elements of the business? What does the company do? And, how do we achieve our mission, which is creating the next human race, which sounds super crazy. Yeah. But if you think about it, once they're smart enough and once they're autonomous, that's exactly what they'll be. And they'll be like little minions that help you solve what, anything that you're trying to do. That's the blue sky potential, right? Right now we're at the VHS level. But the blue sky potential and what it'll do. What's the blue know? sky potential look like? The blue sky potential? What? Where do you see Genie? I'm not going to even go 10 years. Yeah. Let's say you've been here for two years. Yeah, almost, almost two, years. two years. So let's say in two years, where do you, where is that? All right, where VHS to maybe we're hitting CDs. Yeah, I mean, it's it accelerates over time, right? So it's like VHS to streaming, and how long translates to that? Like, what is the ratio now at the speed we're going? And I think what it comes down to is hopefully within the next six to twelve months. There's mass adoption, and we're emotionally empathizing with our avatars. I think that's incredibly important. What causes you to have an affinity for this little thing? But in two years, I think it'll be the way that we learn and the way that we connect with digital information. And screens are disappearing, right? Like, eventually, like, we're not going to have a fucking screen. Like, we're not going to have a thing in our pocket. Like, that's stupid. Like, we see it with Alexa and with Siri. It's super rudimentary, but voice is where everything's going. But when we start to have that digital layer that exists everywhere, when like there's when with AR, you know, specifically, then you have it in the way that you relate to everything. The way that you see movie ads, the way that you get invited into a restaurant, the way that you check the reviews is all going to be personalized to you. Exact and the way that you based on your habits, the weather, the time of day, everything's going to be personalized. Is it possible to even get it to your mannerisms? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the actions that we take are an expression of the way that we think, right? So it's like once we start just pumping that into a machine and we create a library of your decision-making. And so now we can, we know that based on this, we should give you this. Does that ever freak you out a little bit? Like this little thing is gonna, you're literally gonna have a clone, like a little <laughs> word that you guys use often is clone. Yeah. Like a, cl- a virtual clone. Yes. That's a crazy, t- you said that somebody 15 years ago, like what the fuck are you talking about? Something, I, well, a good friend just came back from London and something that I'm just going to drop because it freaked me out earlier tonight. He's like, they just brought back a dead pig's brain three days later. Oh, I saw that. Right? Yeah, I think it, yeah. So what the fuck does that mean? And we're not going to get into it, but it's like, that's way more daunting than like if this little digital yeah, yeah, thing yeah. is running around. <laughs> just as a sidebar. I see what you're saying. But what, so I'm also curious at what point. Yeah, so what you, does that mean? You first started as a brief writer brief writer yeah and then creating little short briefs right and then how did that kind of progress yeah well it went from it went from uh, brief writing actually all the way through the beginning of our we proved essentially with our beta that people love creating their avatars with our, our early beta i would even say it's our alpha at this point right with our alpha or public, the beginning of our public beta, we prove people love creating their avatar and they love sharing it. They'd get these personalized little videos uh, starring them that they'd see themselves acting out the news. I don't know if you saw, like if yeah. Donald Trump bombed North Korea, it'd be like you and I on a rocket flying through space <laughs> with a headline that says, we're fucked, swipe up to read the BBC article. That's how we'd frame it to you. So you understand? Yeah. But do, do you ever feel like maybe, I mean, that's like, that might be an extreme example. Sure. But like some like in that, that is that would be a serious event that it maybe takes away some of the seriousness i'm just playing devil's advocate i'm trying to push do you think that in a in a in a world where there's obviously a lot of bad shit going on that if you have those two genies that come on that rocket and it's like swipe up then it kind of takes away that human element of like this is real and it kind of strips away that real factor and makes it less real when this is actually a real life current event that's affecting a lot of people. What would you say to that? I mean, that just got a little serious for no reason. But like No, I think there's there's important reason there's an important reason to to explore that, but at the same time, that is like a discussion about values. Right. And like the discussion of how you're raised and how you're introduced to things. It's like, are you gonna give a three-year-old like a beer (laughs) you know it's like i don't know it's like i think at that point i hope your parents have raised you to know like well that is a cartoon and of course yeah it gets to the point where like okay i mean at that point you're like critiquing south park (laughs) yeah essentially yeah and it's like just because i see it on south park does that like how should is that how i should relate to it in the real world i think and it's almost like satire it's like a critique of satire, but I guess what you're having a problem with it is not, when we start. I don't have a problem. I just, I'm just I'm no. Just, well, you're bringing I'm, up. I'm, I'm, I'm not playing, like I'm playing no, that devil's advocate. Sure, no. I, I I speak. I think one part of the culture that we have is like everything is incredibly hyperbolic. So it's like I don't think you're demonizing me because oh, not, not at all. No, no. I, you don't have a problem with it, but oh, I love the, the app. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to see what what the from a creator's standpoint. Like sure. these are probably questions that I imagine you know in future interviews or future. You know, there's always gonna be skeptics. So some mm. things that they might say that they might, you know, think is is a flaw with it. And I'm sure that you guys have thought about it and have talked about it. Mm. 
Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily it's a flaw. I would say it's more, it's one of our biggest strengths. Mm -hmm. I think humor is like a key that opens up someone. Uh, and I think one of the most important ways that you can have a conversation or make an impact, it, I've, and I think about this in a theatrical way, just based on my experience in, because that's what I studied in school, theater and film. I would say that's really where so I got to, started. you went to Loyola Marymount? Went to Loyola Marymount. Cool. For And then, so you were, we'll get back to this. You acted... When do you start acting? When I was really young, I did musicals with my, the JCC. My mom would drive us and we would do musicals. And so. <laughs> Which is really funny because we didn't do sport. I didn't do sports. I did musicals. Did sport? Never did sports. I had like bad joints and shit, so I couldn't do anything. You don't do here. anything now? Boxing. Athletic. A uh, little bit of boxing. Boxing's fun. So fun. It's the I think it's the best physical exercise ever. Definitely. 100%. Where do you do it? In LA? Yeah, the, um, at this place called Prevail. Okay. Yeah, but I want to get into it with like a coach. Like I want to start. Are you, are you just do it? Are you just doing it on your own? No, with doing it like um, with more a with a bag. Yeah, with a bag. Yeah, do it with a coach. Like when they have the mitts and everything. And no, I love that too. It's like a little bit of it's everything. It's like a group boxing gym. You do any MMA? No, I did like jujitsu as a kid, and I didn't necessarily fuck. Do you with follow that. any sports? Now I'm getting more into basketball and football because of all the investors and shit. That also, we have. yeah, I was. Uh, your boys with Des Bryant? Uh, he's the man. He's a he, really good guy. I, are you are you a Cowboys fan? Are you any type? I don't know of, sports don't. from Adam. I didn't know sports from Adam. That's actually the funny thing. When Des first cruised into the office, and I was like, "Oh, what's up, dude? Nice to meet you." And like, I was like, "What's your name?" And it's like one of those funny moments. Same thing happened with fucking Lady Gaga. But that at that time, <laughs> I was actually giving her shit because she was giving me shit. And so wait, wait, but you knew she was Lady Gaga when she first walked in. Or, I well, mean, she does look a little different. I imagine when she no, you know, I mean, you can't like like bro, I was I was a PA bro. I was like getting water bottles and batteries and shit. <laughs> and anyway, so Des Bryant walks in, and you're like, hey, like, what's your name? Well, because I had no idea. But he's just a super, he, you know what? He is a fucking hard ass worker. That's he, all I got to say. He's amazing. He's amazing. And he's so nice. He's such a, you know, warm dude. I was, uh, so I'm a huge Cowboys fan. Oh, snap. And uh, <laughs> and I remember I remember the day he was drafted, 2010. I had gone to bed early the night before because I'm like fucking 10 years old. Mm. And I woke up and I saw that they had drafted him. I literally opened the New York Times, saw it was Des Bryant, 24th pick. I like cut it out. Cause I was, I don't even know why I was a big fan of him in college. And I like pasted it on my computer and I had it there from the age of 10 to 15, an old like newspaper cutout for Des Bryant. Really? Because Des was like, he still is one of my favorite players. Uh, it was him and Tony Romo. I don't know if that rings a bell. Yeah. No. Really? No, I don't know sports. Okay. Yeah. So who's Tony Romo? He's a, he's a, uh, he was a quarterback and now he's a, he was the announcer for the Super Bowl this year. Okay, and he's the oh, guy, okay, he's the the guy who's, predicting, who's predicting all the all the plays before they happen. Wow! And so, yeah, but Dez is a he's a beast. I was I was so sad when they released him, mm. but he's a uh, he's a special guy. He he works hard. He works hard. Definitely. And yeah. He, have you talked? Do you know what he's up to now? Yeah, right now he's doing a couple of cool things. Um, he has personal corner that he's developing, which is um, an ephemeral personalized merchandise platform. Uh, I can't really go into details about that because of an NDA, but he's doing really cool things with that. Uh, it's actually one of, um, we're working on some stuff with him, uh, which is pretty exciting. And he's also, uh, I think he's training to get back involved with athletics. And so the other question I had is you, on your social media, you guys clone a lot of celebrities. Mm. 
and a lot of celebrities will repost. I think one of the recent ones was recent ones was Pink uh, with her new song. She like I think she posted it, her new song with her singing along with her avatar clone. Yeah, it was uh she released a lyric video. Okay. Sorry, I'm just turning on my phone. So how does she? So. She, she released many, a lyric video with her genie. She used her, with Khalid, actually. So how many celebrities, when they do that, does that mean that you have agreements with them or that they are sponsored by them or they just are like, genius is cool and I want to do it? Yeah, it's part of our verification. Uh, it's one of the uh, the values of being verified on our platform. And it's something that we really only, you know, allow the top performers in every field, you know, the triple A plus um, of whoever... Not only, I mean, of course, you know, someone told me recently clout has a funny equation. It, it From like a marketing quantitative perspective, you can quantify clout. And it's uh, reach plus relevance, hmm. right? And you could put both of those on the scale. And so for, and for us, we want to add in um, forward leaning, you know. How do you have someone who knows how to use digital? There's a reason SoundCloud rappers are super dope. Right, and it might not have anything to do with the poetry of their lyrics. Okay, but there's something so valuable there, and so we're looking to plug in with people with that. So when we invite people on board, we give them access to our illustration and animation resources, and they can leverage it how they want. So we don't have a formal agreement. It's dude, everything. Another part of our culture and our company is super family. Right, Dez's family, uh, Pink is family, ASAP's family. You know, I, we were talking with one of our investors. Anyways, everyone's family. So whoever you see is using it, it's because they fuck with us and they and they love it and um, they're just on board for what we're doing. But not necessarily investors. Okay, and so um, so then how do you guys? Uh, what would you say is your biggest marketing strategy? How you guys get out there? Is it through those celebrities? Because, I mean, you know, you have Pink. I don't know how many Instagram followers she has or Dez or whoever it is. I mean, that's that's a huge reach. Definitely. So how is it just through that? Or do you guys also advertise in other ways? Yeah, I mean, I would say our biggest marketing um, asset is um, the value we provide to people. You know, that's what we focus on. It's like, how can we help spread this message? How can we personalize this interaction? And so it's one of those things that went for, like when the product speaks for itself, when it is so valuable to someone that they'll, um, they'll use it as a medium for communication, you don't necessarily need to market it. It just is valuable, you know? And where, where was the company when you first came to, to it? Where, how was it? on a global reach mm. spectrum, mm. where was it? And how would you quantify that with where it is now? When I first came to the company, we were flying in stealth mode with a pre-launch $100 million valuation. And when, as soon as we launched, I mean, things started really cooking. Um, you know, with the beta, uh, with the beginning of the beta, it was... Two million genies were cloned um, by 200,000 unique users. So super small, right? And that was the start. Um, of, that's when, like, okay, we know we have something. Um, and there was people, you know, internationally, the App Store is released in several territories. Um, but it was focused on definitely North American um, or Western news, I would say, technology business. So that's where the uh, the viewers were. And, then and have you, users were. have you branched out to more so 
to other parts of the world? Like, what's it like in the usage in Asia mm. um, or those more towards eastward? Yeah, we're certainly, um, we've planted seeds in India, um, in the Middle East, and we're heavily pursuing um, Asia right now. Akash just got back from China, Korea, and Japan, and we're building um, the aesthetic uh, transformation that'll be naturalized in those regions. Um, and so that's uh, at the forefront of our mind of how we can integrate overseas. So creatively, what are kind of the changes that, or, I don't know, changes or improvements uh, that you maybe personally or as a team are kind of looking at right now? What it comes down to is how do you continue to evolve the genie, the core aesthetic and the personality to best match any user, no matter where they're from. And so we're getting a lot of feedback, of course, through the app itself, you know, with all the analytics that we have and the, the numbers that we look at to see usage and when people fall off and what they select. And we're, of course, continuing to hone in on what's working. Um, I mean, it's crazy. You guys have so many possibilities, whether it's eye color, skin tone, hair type, mm. uh, smile, nose, ears. Like, there's so much. It feels like you you sh you can really clone yourself. I don't know how much more, or you. I mean, you probably know better than I do. How much more can that go? Mm. Well, what's interesting is we've dominated that side of the um, equation, right. right? So, I mean, you could always go further, right? Like, how do you make? How do you keep? The, it, the issue that arises, just as a sidebar, is the uncanny valley. And so we found a nice balance between cartoonizing yourself but still making it, you know, the spitting image. Right. You know, it's real, unreal, as, you know, one of um, our advisors has expressed it as. Um, and that's super interesting. But what we are now looking into more so is... And we had a really incredible guy by the office the other day. His name's Jack Davis. He's the co-founder of Crypt TV which is um, basically wants to be like the marvel of monsters. And when they did a, um, a study of millennials and Gen Z, they saw that while millennials wanted, related more to the superhero, um, Gen Z related more towards the monster. They mm. wanted to be fighting the power. What do you relate more to? Me? Uh, I don't know if I, I relate to both in different ways. I, you know, I can walk out of Black feel, Panther and feel like I want to fucking you're kind get of in a fight. Border of like, you know, I'm a 2000, so you're, mm. you're, you're I mean, you're a little older. Mm. Where, where do you feel like you stand? Do you feel like you're a millennial? I mean, that the term is used a little vaguely now. There's very defining factors. I think it's like 97. You know, you're a Gen Z or whatever. Um, maybe early 2000s. There's a couple different scales, but I'm certainly a millennial. I'm like a young millennial, but you also have people in their mid-30s who have, you know, who are millennials as well. <sighs> Fuck. I mean, you know, when I was in high school, dude, and I was seeing it, the way that I felt it is that because of the way the internet came in, it's almost like um, radiation. It's like, here's the plant being exposed for this long, like six months, and here's the plant for two years, and here's the plant <laughs> since it was born, right? And I saw at while it was happening, because I you don't know what the fuck dial-up is, do you? No clue. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, like, you know, but, like, you don't know. You dial never Dial-up. No, you're fucking with me. I swear on my life I don't know what that is. Okay, so it's like early internet. The dude's in the booth. I hope you're laughing at this shit. Um, <laughs> shout out, Rad, my boy. <laughs> shout out. 
Yeah, they're crushing it. They've, um, by the way, the vibes in this joint are unreal. For we've any got, of you who know, we've got a little incense going. We've Santa got Monica, the recording got? studio, super fly, fourth, fourth street, street recording studio. studio. Five, my candles. boys, five candles what is, is the album we're working on here today. <laughs> and there's a up in the right side of my vision for everyone at home. There's like a bunny mask. Purple, purple with glitter. Purple glitter, bunny mask. I think they have sex parties here when they're not recording. It is soundproof, <laughs> so it's the perfect venue. Um, I wonder how many people have been banged in here. Anyways, <laughs> that's like a total sidebar. Um, millennials, Gen Z, dial and so dial-up, dial-up. Dial because I don't know it. So, so anyways, you notice culture moving faster and faster. So you asked who I relate more to, and it's one of those things where like we were at, we were at a having your foot in and out of internet fast internet that is is super interesting because culture sped up so i would see like oh like the seniors are kind of like the mid 20 year olds like they're kind of all similar mm. right but now what i saw the grade above me and the grade below me as vastly different types of people right yeah yeah and so i would say i probably am more of a millennial uh, you know as far as mindset is concerned and the way that i think and uh where I relate to the world. Have you always, you know, even in talking and talking about genies, when I hear you talk about genies, there's like that excitement. Mm. Where have you always had that kind of fire to to do something meaningful? Or was there a point in your life where you kind of were like, okay, I need a wake up call? Yeah, I think the wake up call was pursuing acting and then being like, this is a fucking shit gig. So, so you said, <laughs> <laughs> to be true, like, yeah, I mean, so, so, you, so you acted for a while, and you still. We were talking about this a little bit before. You don't ever stop being an actor. What, what is it about acting that you first got into, and how has acting kind of helped you in this new life of working at a startup, which I imagine you probably didn't imagine you'd be doing ten years ago. Maybe I don't know. I, I actually, 10 years ago, I was trying to start a startup. Really? What, yeah. what, was, your, what was your startup? The startup was uh, Micro Joe's. And Micro Joe's was like a task rabbit competitor for micro tasks. So I need someone to mow the lawn. I need someone to pick up groceries. And it's just like you had a little thing um that you needed to be done like it was so f there, i saw my mom like do you we moved to a new neighborhood in fucking san diego and it's like she was asking the neighbors if they knew a fucking <laughs> landscape person or whatever right or someone to mow the lawn and it's like that's the best way so where'd micro joe's go micro joe's my bro my problem is i have a, I, had, I had a lot of really good ideas but i'm not really good at execution and so coming to this company was a come to Jesus, kind of like a rebirth moment because I was trying to do it as like on my own and it's freelance filmmaking and acting. And you're just like, yo, I got to I got to find like some people who are doing some really fire shit so I can learn from them because I just didn't have that. I had other shit, but I didn't have like that. Put So it was kind of like a perfect little puzzle match. I told the person who hired me, I was like, I don't know if you believe in God or the universe or what your fucking belief system is structured as, but this is meant to be. It's been something that was supposed to happen long before we knew it was going to. 
and it's exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm telling you now on this call, because they interviewed hundreds of fucking people who were way more qualified for this shit than I was. To be a, this is when you're originally brief, writer. brief writer. They they like came to LA from San Fran. They're like, we're looking for co comedians, like funny writers. They hired, dude. There was, was just one. It was just for one spot. No, nah, there was like seven spots maybe but still like hundreds of applicants there was like seven or nine spots hundreds of applicants then they hired five of us then they fired three of us within like a month or two and then there was two of us and this is when you're this is so this is two years ago two years ago yeah how many days a week do you work like six or seven how many hours a day does it do you do you have like a set schedule or it's just until i get my shit done yeah, I mean, you're we there's for sure a decompression period. So it's not like every fucking day I grind. Like I'm not saying that. Like, but you have to. There's always something to is there, do. Is there that stress? Because you know, when I think about we were talking about earlier about the culture of a startup, the way I picture it in my mind, and you see it in some movies, is like that high, high stress all the time of you know. Your company, it's it's sharks. Like you gotta get you gotta beat the other sharks. Um, do you feel that? Do you feel like there's competition? I mean, there's obviously competition, but do you feel it? There's not competition. There's no one who's doing what we're doing. The competition is with ourselves because we're fighting to do what no one's done yet. Right? So the only difficulty is interfacing with a world that's never fucked with this yet. So when you go into meetings and you're communicating to people and you say we're making a new human race, we're changing the way people relate to technology and Nissan or whatever is just like, oh, yeah, bro, like that's tight. Like it's Friday. We're pretty tired, but like we're down. Let's circle back. Like, but then you get into it and you're like, okay, how exactly does it work? And they become very analytical. And it's like, it's hard to interface with people who haven't thought the way that you're thinking yet. Because you're trying to like educate them while you're trying to collaborate with them, which is two sides of the brain that don't fuck with each other. Right? It's like epic theater. Have there, have there been uh, other either companies or people uh that have tried to copy or tried to produce something similar to genies i mean yeah i would say our pitch could totally be we're a bougie bit moji yeah right yeah so how how, how different because there's also that new thing with the iphone with that uh you can be like an yeah me emoji and emoji yeah how like how different or do you guys even, i mean you don't feel threatened by that no, I mean, I think it's super important to remember that at the end of the day, Apple is a hardware company first. I mean, they make like, okay software. It's beautiful, but it's not like the dopest, but that's their thing. They're like, we build hardware, right? And Memoji and Animoji, those are both indicators to the market about look at this dope new hardware, this true depth technology that we've developed look at like a fun fucking wasted time thing that you can do i see and yeah, that's, that's, that is one of the things that i feel when i'm on the iphone or you know you use it it's like mm, this is it's a novelty cool because like it's kind of crazy that like you have like a little like chicken and you when you start talking it talks like you sure but it's pointless sure yeah it's fun it's cute and they're gonna try and do some shit i mean like tim cook applied to get his you know to become verified and like they're, they're, it's a different race that that they're in. 
And it, for is us, there support from Apple? Like, do you guys feel like it's not competitive, but they more want you to thrive? Um, Apple is focused on what they're building. Okay, that's their focus, and I don't. Th I think it's so uh, alignment is a word that you hear a lot in the startup community, in the venture community. Alignment is when it's like what percentage of your employees are working on what you want them to be working on. Okay. How aligned is it from the CEO's desk to the bust boys break time? How and everything in between, what percentage of those people are doing exactly what you really want them to be that are really moving the company forward? And so Apple is focused on being a trillion dollar company and developing hardware and, you know, expand there. How can they, they're doing their thing. And so it's like, for us, we got to be doing the same thing. And there's not really a lot of support from that, but there doesn't, there shouldn't be. What was the biggest, was there one particular moment that you could recall where you felt like you guys hit a wall? Or you maybe personally in your own work hit a wall and you're like, yeah. Um, I would say we probably shouldn't. I don't know if we should, if you should include this, but it was with the high school program that I met Alana on and through. All right. First of all, we got to give a quick shout out to Alana. Shout out to Alana Alcorn. Shout out to Alana Alcorn. She is a, she's going to do amazing things in this she lifetime. Is. And this, that family, I don't know. That family is one of my favorite families. Michaela, the Alcorns. Is, the Alcorns. Michaela is she's a she's her older sister. Ah, um, never met super her. Super talented, amazing soccer player. She's one of my closest friends. Really amazing. I've only heard about this girl. I've heard so much about this girl. Um, about Michaela? Yes. She's she's phenomenal. Michaela has been orbiting. Michaela was kind of the impetus. Shout out Michaela. Sh never sh met you. Shout out Michaela. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't know you, Michaela, but like I want to because I'm telling you, this this Alcorn family is. Amazing. The mom, the shout mo out. I, hey, the mom. The mo What's her name? Kathleen. Kathleen! Shout out Kathleen's. My girlfriend's name's Kathleen. <laughs> shout out Kathleen's all over the world. So wait, so. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we, we get on the subject to Alana? Alana, we got on the subject of Alana because you She's asked if I school. ever hit a wall. Oh, okay. And so the program that I met her through, which is our high school ambassador program, which is savage. Some of the smartest kids in the country. We have tens of thousands of badasses. Um, but of course, Alana is a standout. Obviously. I feel like I hit a wall at one point in the development of that program. So how did that, for, what, what is this, the high school ambassador? It was like, what is that? How did that come about? Or Yeah, how that comes about. Um, what do they do? Because I know I see, you know, I'll see, well, Alana like repost stuff on, on her Instagram and stuff definitely. like that. So, but what is the, the main purpose and goal of that? The main purpose of that program is to create um you know, an ambassador network of people who know about the product and can be beacons in their community to continually share information about the product, what its work, uh, what its status is, and um, how it's developing, just so that we can continually create a dialogue between our core demographic and the company. So does that itself. mean, so there was a point where you're talking, you're, are you ever communicating with those high school ambassadors like, look, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, or try to communicate X, Y, and Z on your social medias? Mm, it comes down to alignment. It really does. And culture. 
because what it could, I, right? We don't have money to pay all these thousands, tens of thousands of students, right? All we can do is hopefully give them more value than they're putting into it. Hopefully we can inspire them and give them great fucking words and great tools and great ideas and inspiration. Because I think more than anything, seeing something as possible with your own eyes is one of the biggest drivers, right? I think it's the reason why communities that are perhaps, um, have like bad statistics around them have those bad statistics. And I think it's because it's nearly impossible to become something that you haven't seen. And so, um, what we can do is we can talk with these kids. We can tell them what we're doing. We can tell them our story. And most of the time we're hearing from kids that they're like, like, that's exactly what the fuck I want to do. And I'm a kid in the, the North part of the city, Northeast side of New York. And um, my parents like are like, get good grades, but I'm like, I just want to build shit or like, I want to play video games. But like, now that I see that you guys are doing this, I know that it's possible. I know what I want to do with my life. Once you get that sort of buy-in, I'm not asking Alana to fucking story DJ Snake's Instagram post. Like Alana just understands what we're doing and she is down with no, it it's, and, she, it's, and it, it resonates it's with It's 100% true because that's, you know. Never uh, make the ask is what I would say is the biggest part of any sort of culture building or any sort of sales, to be honest. Go further. So never making the ask, you know you're fucked when you're raising money for an idea and then at the end of your pitch, because at the end of your pitch, you have to say, and we would love to ask you for a $250,000 investment to help support our idea. You're fucked. Because really, you should be at the point in your pitch where they say, okay, I love it. I think it's incredible. Like, are you guys raising? What's a good pitch for you? Well, you never have to make the ask. That's the best pitch. You never have to make the ask. That's how you know you're onto something. Someone's like, all right, are you guys raising money? Just curious. Like, just by the way, are you guys raising? And when you get that in a meeting, you're like, <laughs> yeah, anyways, it's besides the point. So, but yes, that's how you know it's a good pitch. Interesting. Have there been, what's a, are you in the room, like, are you always in the meetings for when there are people trying to sell you pitch? I don't know, how does that work? Do you guys have um, companies that come in and want to partner with you? And how do they sell it to you? Like, what's the conversation like afterwards with Akash or whoever at the company? Sure. What it comes down to is taking um, meetings from the companies that you feel like will move the needle. You know, you want to trim the fat quickly and just be like, okay, like these are like cool, but like not going to really, Tim Ferriss says, what's going to knock down the biggest domino, you know? And so you're looking for those big domino meetings and then you take those meetings and you're just like, yo, here's what we're doing. This is the direction we want to go in. It's really important to understand that clout flows downhill and that we only want to work with companies that are doing great things. What's, a, what's an example of a company that you guys have recently that you guys work with that you feel you walked in that or you walked out of that meeting and you're like, they're going to move the needle. Hmm. Um, Gucci is a great example. What was, what was that? Can you, are you allowed to talk about? Yeah, definitely. That? They're one of our um, premiering partners. When we launched the latest iteration of the genies platform, they signed on to be the exclusive um, luxury goods partner. So is that why? Cause there's, there's partner. a, there's a, when you're customizing your genie, you can, Put the shoes, I think, and belt is also Gucci possibility. They're yeah, there's clothes. Gucci. There's clothes. There's everything. Hats. So are you? You have to, and and, and now you have Off White. We have a bunch of yeah, a bunch of brands on the platform. And so that, but that means you have to have the agreement of those brands to have them on. 
Yeah, what it yes. comes down to is color waves. And so we have things that inference your favorite products, but because they're not carbon copies, they're not exactly what is actually available on the market, we're allowed to infer on our platform other products like Supreme, like Off-White. Are there actual literal Gucci products um, that you guys have then cloned for Genies? Yes, that Gucci official, ver verified, certified. That Gucci has said, we want you to digitize these. We and want you to have they these. seen any improvement in their purchases from those particular items? You know, you know, it's so interesting. That's the beauty of working with these companies who understand vision is you get these smaller companies who are like, yeah, what's the ROI? What's going to be our CRM, the cost of acquiring a customer? Like what's blah, 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 all this data. And like, that's not how working in visionary blue sky operates. The whole point of redefining the future and being ahead of the curve of skating to where the puck is going is all about understanding that you're investing not in like a lowly conversion rate. Like that's it's about brand association. It's about knowing that Gucci is not only uh, defining fashion, but also is changing the future, right? They're forward leaning. Like that's an uh, invaluable idea. So do you guys even have to market? Do you guys do you, like? Not at all. So we don't market. There's zero market. You put we, zero dollars. We in spend marketing. no money on marketing. Wow. There's you just that's is, that's is that a that's a pretty rare thing I would imagine for not for successful companies. Interesting. That's one of the unifying factors. Interesting. When you have to pay for downloads, you're on the wrong fucking path. Unless you're fucking Facebook and then it's like, okay, we got to satisfy our shareholders and blah, blah, blah. But when you're at the stage that we're at, that's a signal to the market that you are not on to a hot trail. Okay. They look at your P&L statement. They're like, yeah, you have a million users. You spend a million dollars in fucking downloads. Like tight. You don't have shit here. No, thank you. You know, we're not interested in investing or acquiring and we're not interested in being acquired. We're in it for the long haul, but it's just important to manage expectations and to signal to the market the right thing. So we do not spend any money. We're scrappy like that. We're a startup. Where would you say the most, uh, I guess, resources financially, but also time right now is being spent? Um. <sighs> the biggest thing is making the genie as awesome as it can be. Making sure the user has an incredible experience when they download the app and they create their genie that they have several different options and they're continually inspired to modify their genie and then finding where that avatar lives. So for you on a day-to-day -day basis right now, what, what's, what's your day look like? Go ahead, go drink. <sighs> on a day-to-day -day basis, I'll let you swallow. Thanks, man. <laughs> so on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, my primary focus is finding really forward-leading companies uh, and institutions to partner with, whether that's brands, whether that's CPG companies, retail, automotive, telecom. We're looking for dope blue-chip companies, people who, are, who have the ability to change culture you know ford is a part of culture 
Gucci is a part of culture. We're looking for companies that are forward-leaning, who want to do exciting things that we can partner with and collaborate with to help us further our mission of what you, creating if you the sum next. up your, your mission in two sentences, Max? We're creating the next human race. One sentence works. Wow. What are your parents... When you first told your parents you were working at Genius, what were their reactions? They were very proud of me. They're like, that's awesome that you're getting a job is, but just don't forget what your goal is of, you know, being in movies and directing and acting. And that was their reaction. Have they always been supportive of you when you were primarily doing acting? Of course. Yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like, I graduated and my dad's like, yeah, if you're going to have, if you're going to live in LA, you need a job, bro. So he's like, so I went and I faked my resume and I applied to a restaurant and I ran food from the kitchen to tables and did that thing for a couple months while I got my feet. And, and this is, was this your first, and this was not your first official job out of college? First, well, I mean, I did a shit ton of freelance, Okay. right? I was like crashing on couches and like shooting cool stuff. Shot a bunch of music festivals, did a lot of after movies for like Coachella and right, right, Stagecoach, all those fun things. And so that was like, that stuff's fun, but it's inconsistent. And there's just, it's seasonal. You know, it's like when you work in Aspen and you're a local, you have your day job and you have your night job. And sometimes you have your weekend job because, you know, if you're, <laughs> anyway. So I, uh, it's not something that like can pay the bills all year round. But Are you if ever you're nervous or stressed out? Nah. Nah, shit always just works. Shit always just, like, works. I, you know, one of the cool things that my mom gave me is that if you just want something, you it happens. If you just want it. If you you got, just, but you got to want it. You have to want it. But it happens. And sometimes you have clairvoyance. My, it's one of the beautiful things, I think, that um, my mom knows she knows that she can make anything she sets her mind to happen just by thinking it and knowing it's going to happen or just being like oh you know what that's going to happen do you have siblings i have a younger sister she's the coolest person in the world how old she is 24 24 no she's turning 24 she's 23 right what's now what's she up to sammy nicole samantha nicole pollock what does wow. she do sammy is in san diego right now working on a unscripted um, cooking show for vegans um, called Plant It. Are you a vegan? I'm not a vegan. I want to be someday. I will yeah. be soon. Sammy is looking into creating that pilot. We're shooting that within a month or two. And we're also, uh, she's looking into real estate and she loves dancing. So between dancing, real estate, and this. What do your parents do? Because there's a lot of like performing arts also like entrepreneurial mm. side i feel like yeah my dad is um he's always been a business guy he worked with his dad my grandpa um edward rowan pollock who's just a fucking legend <laughs> god damn that guy i love this dude um he was an entrepreneur my dad worked with him for many years in a furniture business then we moved to aspen for a few years which is where i met alana for the first time oh oh yeah in okay. aspen um, I just wanted to give her, I just want to like, the coolest thing when you work with someone and like, especially like a kid, uh, sorry, Alana, but like, yeah. you're young. She's like, a, she's like 16. She's like a kid. And so I was like, work, I'm working with all these kids. The coolest fucking thing is when you can meet them and you're like, you're a real person. Yeah. Shake their hand. And so, 
anyways, I met her in Aspen. Um, and we, it was like, I don't know. She's super cool. Um, brought her like these cloned hats. Um, this I one? Is this the one? one? Yeah, maybe I'll yeah, give man. you this one. I gotta, I gotta be. I gotta, oh, let me see that. Here, it's yours. You're cloned. No, I'm cl- <laughs> You're cloned. Take it. Dude, I was trying to make my clone. I need to make it more perfect. Can you, you're going to have to. Well, you're more perfect. perfect. Like, t- more accurate. I feel like mm. the, the hair, that's actually something we're going to talk about. My hair on it is not accurate. I feel you. Curly, you know. It's like, it's like bordering the Jufro. Yeah, that's how you know your roots. <laughs> that's how you know. know your roots, Mr. Levine. <laughs> Mr. Levine. Um, yeah. Wait, what, what were we talking about? Before Lana, uh, Edward Roland Pollock, my dad, what does he do? What is he? Okay, performing roots. So why is there performance in my blood? My mom. My mom. Well, the reason we have this. She's definitely a performer. My grandpa on her side, her dad, Wayne Foster, actually named Herman Stenzler. Born blind in New York. Poor immigrant Russian family. No money. And they sent him to special needs school and he fucking hated it. And he taught himself how to play music, though. Um, born blind, like I said, and taught himself how to play the accordion. And one day, you know, he was just like, I'm not going back. Um, and I'm not going to say exactly, or maybe can you mute me? Can you beep out a word that I'm about to say? Because I don't want to spread this word, but I just want to tell. You don't have to do it. Maybe. maybe. Don't say it. Like, say it and then go, oh, I know so I could hear it. Mm. No, you know what? It's not a big deal. He just, just said, I'm not. You no, know, I can just say it. It's not that bad it's, of a word. He just said, I'm not fucking retarded. Oh, okay. And he was blind. And he hated that at the time, like, that was the thing. And, like, I hate that that's even, like, a bad thing. But he felt like his mind was solid. His mind wasn't lacking. But he just couldn't see. And so he taught himself accordion and he started winning music competitions. Really? He won radio competitions and in-person competitions. And he'd win a fridge. And then he'd win a microwave. And then an oven. And he, like, slowly started. And this is whose grandfather? My uh, My mom's dad. My grandpa. Is he still alive? He is still alive. And wow. he then like evolved from that point to like having a band. And then he met my grandma. And then they started managing bands. And then they started sending five bands out to all the different weddings, all the Jewish weddings in Long Island. And then it like evolved into this company, Wayne Foster Entertainment. Now we have this event company. And then he had four daughters and they toured around like the world playing for presidents, like playing all over the world. They have albums, right? That's and amazing. then they did a bunch of entertainment events my mom's now carrying on his legacy with her company and she has been a performance since she was she could okay so it's in the family it's in the family that's wow it's in the water but first it's in the blood or is it first it's in the water you know i have no idea but um (laughs) (laughs) just fucking with you wow yeah so that's where it, it, it comes from my sister is a performer incredible dancer she's a savage wow incredible voice too my sister has the best voice does your do you, have, you sing? I do sing. We'll, do, we'll drop an album eventually. We'll come back here to Santa Monica. We'll we do, better have all those candles. We'll do an EP. Do oh, that's Five what I'm candles. saying. That's what it's called. Five Candles. That's, that's the, the album EP's we're coming called. out with. Um, so like does, your, does your grandfather still... Perform, yeah. Perform? Actively. How old is he? 80-something. Wow. 83, 84. Kill, kills it. Kills on the weekends. This is his lifeline. It's like, did Ray Charles ever stop performing? Like, No. And they, you know, they'd say he's like, oh, he's like a Jewish Ray Charles, <laughs> which is kind of like his thing, I guess. And I What's think his name? His name's Wayne so, Foster. Like, so the official, there's like Wayne Foster. It's Wayne Foster. Yeah. What was the other name? Herman that, Stenzler. Wh- wh- where that that's his from? actual name. Oh. But his his, <laughs> his stage name is Wayne Foster. Why? 
because people didn't like hiring Jews back in the day. Wow. Wow. Show business, baby. Show business. And this was, and you grew up where? New York. Where in New York? I grew up in the Bronx, actually. But then he moved to Long Island. You go back to New York often? I'm going in a few weeks. Really? Yeah, May 6th. When are you going to be there? To the 10th. What are you doing there? We're meeting with a bunch of investors, meeting with potential clients, creative agencies, going to see Sleep No More, which is an incredible experiential uh, performance of Macbeth in a a hotel. Um, Hopefully go to The Shed, which, shout out QJP, Quincy Jones Productions, uh, Michael Latour, Thomas Duport, Max Mason, Alyssa Smith, uh, and The Fam. Uh, the fam at QJP. They just opened an incredible performing arts space called The Shed. We're going to see uh, Bjork. She has a residency there. Going to see her orchestral theatrical production. Akash, Nigam. So who who, tra- who travels to most of these? Akash. Did he, do, he goes solo? He sometimes goes with his co- our co-founder, Evan Rosenbaum, who's just an absolute G. Um, Evan's the smartest How guy ever How did they find meet. each other? They um, met each other, I think, through a hackathon or through a mutual friend. They met each other. Um, Evan went to Wharton. Akash went to Michigan State. Evan graduated. Akash said later, and you already went over that story, dropped out second semester senior year, said fuck that. Second semester senior year? Yeah, later, done. And his dad's like, I'm Indian. You're raising money or you yeah. can get the fuck out of my house. Good wait. luck. You le- you gra- you're dropping out? His dad was like, also, fuck wait. that shit. I mean, like. I mean, yeah, he's doing well. Akash is doing well, but <laughs> that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you don't think he could have finished that second semester out, bro? The worst thing you can do in life, when you realize something, is not act as hard and fast. That's numbing your intuition. Do you guys hang out like outside? We're hanging out tonight. Family. It's family. It's like family. How many people work at Genies? We now have, like, probably. We have 20 people, but that's spread out between San Francisco and LA. So 20 people total? 20, 25 people, but we're about to have maybe more than that. We're bringing everyone in office, in so we're moving even, offices. I mean, that's, I don't, is that for, for a startup? Is that a lot, a little? Uh, it depends, you know, <laughs> software, hardware, it just depends. So, I mean, it makes sense for what we're doing. So you still? Just the right size. We're super lean, you yeah. know, we're, we're big, but we're also lean. And still haven't told me what your daily, what a day in the life looks like. A day in the life. Um, day in the life. You wake up, f- destroy, prevail boxing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, imagine all the shitty people in my life as I'm exhausted trying to punch <laughs> the bag another time. And they're like, speed round. And you're just like, all right, who the fuck can I kill today? So. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what entity can I <laughs> endow this boxing thing with to give me some more juice? Anyways. I feel like you, you've never played sports. I feel like you I am. You have like the vibes of somebody who once played sport. You have like a competitive edge. Do I? I think so. That's a but I think, the, I, think, I think the only way you succeed in what you're doing is you need, you need to have some fire in you. You have, to, you have to look in the mirror and yell as loud as you fucking can. And know your psycho, tap into your yeah, psycho yeah, yeah. energy, and then go to There's war. There's nothing better than screaming into a mirror when you just, and you just feel like you look crazy. And- <laughs> I need to live in my own apartment so I can do that more often. Mm. I can't where I'm at. I look in the mirror and I'm like, <laughs> 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 but my roommates are sleeping, so I'd be like super uncool to do that. Do the the 
they're not at Genie's completely separate. They're doing super cool things on their own accord. Where are you where are you at in LA? Live mid city, like near LACMA. Okay. That was my first job. I could walk to work. Beautiful street. Been there. But now I'm I'm looking to move to the the west side. <laughs> <laughs> and so so you per I mean, as a company, we've maybe touched a little bit on it, but you personally, where where do you go from here? The natural route will be to um, evolve with the company, you know, IPO, um, take that next step. Um, and then eventually, you know, hopefully just staying with my brothers and just continuing to achieve world dominance. Um, and if for some What's reason... What's world dominance look like to you? You know, you're like, there are a couple companies that do like amazing things on this planet. It's Apple... Google, as of today or yesterday, Microsoft is a trillion dollar company, and then they're like, and then now there's genies. So at that point, I think we're like, okay, we've done good. Let's either do our own thing, and that could happen earlier. You know, starting my own thing would be dope. Talking to teens at one point is going to be something that is important to move into the why, why driver's you, seat. Why have you felt like that's something that's so you're the co-founder there, mm -hmm. as we touched upon? Um, but I'm sort of like a, a ghost. At this point, you know, I'm kind of sitting, uh, I'm benched. Why is, that, why is that important to you? Well, you know, I think growing up with divorced parents, I saw all the f shortcomings of someone who doesn't know how the fuck to communicate to a child and how negative the outcome can be if the right thing isn't communicated at the right time. The wildest thing to me, and people would think that I'm on some 1985 shit, um, but if the wildest thing to me is that you can have a fucking kid without a license, who the fuck <laughs> thinks that's okay? That is wild to me. You should have mandatory training when you when you create a human. You buy and the people could be like, "Yeah, bro, like you, what you're like some crazy." I don't even know what they would think I am. Larger government, a, like a crazy liberal fascist. I don't know how to even categorize what you think, an authoritarian. But yeah, you should have a motherfucking education in parenting. Do this, don't do this. Even if it was a fucking packet that you could fill out and fill in the blanks, I think I should, any direction. <laughs> the fact that you don't get, you have to get a license to drive a car, but not make a human being that can drive a car and kill people and I do all this crazy shit. I thought about it like that. It's like, come on, just give them a book. Give them a, a PDF document. A podcast. When are you featuring? When? Who? Have you? Have I been featured? Yeah. You know, the, 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 the heartbeat of that organization is Andrew Earl, Andrew Markham Earl, Andy Earl. The, he's the host. Shout out, Andy. Shout out, talking to teens. If you're a parent dealing with a troubled teen or, or if you're, you're just going to be a parent. Uh, I guess, yeah. If you're going to be a parent and you're interested in the best way to communicate with teenagers. Um, What's the best way to communicate with teenagers? It depends on their values and their talents, right? Their skill set and their values. And yes, there's no one book to raise a fucking kid. And if I hear that from another person one more time, I'm like, you're right. You're right. But there's a shit ton of research. There's thousands of essays. There's a bunch of 
quantifiable, scientifically proven information about strategies and tactics to parent a teenager and how the mind develops and why it makes decisions that it does and why it wants this and hates you then. And there's evolutionary importance to your kid being an asshole. So you remember you're dealing with a developing brain, not a fully formed human. The best way to talk to a kid is based on their skill set and their values. And once you crack into that, you can position yourself in conversations. If you have a very authoritarian kid who's cutting themselves every time you smoke, obviously, maybe you're not smoking. Like a lot of it is ignorance and just like people not willing to look at themselves in the mirror first and like, what am I doing that's not holistic? But next, um, and you're really just dealing with a kid, like we had one family f from down under who uh, was dealing with a troubled kid. They had like a, um, maybe, a, you know, I'm not going to say who it was, so I guess I can tell the story. But the kid was in juvenile hall because he had a restraining, he was a minor, and he had a restraining order against him by his primary family and no other family that he could live with. So he had to become a ward of the state because um, of the family filing a restraining order against him. They filed a restraining order against him because every time he'd come home, he'd break all the fucking windows in the house. Batshit, angry. And it's like, okay, Fuck that kid, he should be in jail. But blah, it all blah, blah. leads back to the parents. It does. And so the conversation that we had and we consulted with them, you know, Andy, who's a genius, artistic, scientific. Shout out, Andy. Shout out, Andy, shout out Virginia Combs, his beautiful partner in this life. She is so wonderful shout and smart too. She has her own podcast. I'm telling you, your podcast is coming soon. We got a couple podcasts. And... um Andrew talked with his family that was having troubles with their kid in Australia. And the dad's like, blah, 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 blah. I told him this and that, blah, blah, and we got into an argument and it always happens every single time. And it's like, okay, he is kinesthetic. He's a kinesthetic learner. He learns through his body. That's why he gets expressive and he destroys things and he values independence. That's why he's always like trying to be his own man and breaking shit and wanting you to listen and like trying to control you. He's a kinesthetic learner and he values independence okay so it's you're not going to out muscle this fucker you're not and the dad every time he gets mad and he tells his kid this is fucking listen to me and all this shit you're not gonna win so what do you do with a kinesthetic learner that values independence you become vulnerable you say look i didn't always have the tools to communicate with you properly and i'm sorry if anything that i ever did caused you to feel like you had to do what you did and I don't like that you're unhappy and I don't want you to be in the situation. And I'm coming to you now with open arms trying to figure out what I can do better as a dad. Because I obviously am just trying to figure it out and I love you and I want what's best for you. And if being in school isn't right, then that's okay. Let's send you on a trip around the world. I'll sign off that you can leave school now. I'll give you a little bit of money to get you started. Let's go on a trip. Because context is a massive problem. If you have a troubled teenager, it's usually the context, the friends that they're around, the people that they associate with. Parents are like, what do I do? I've tried everything. I've tried everything. My kid, he just keeps hanging out with the bad kids at school. It's like, well, did you fucking try moving? You know, did you try changing the environment? Did you try everything? Did you try everything? You know, anyways, it gets back to the core. Uh, by the way, the kid now. Yeah, so what happened with this? Great thing? communication with his mom. He's traveling. His parents gave him permission. They had two minutes on the phone to communicate a very simple idea because that's how long you get when you're in jail. You get two minutes. And so Andy had to break down a script of exactly what and how the dad should say what he should say to his kid on the two-minute call so that they could break the ice. So it's how old is forming. How old what? How old was this kid? Kid was probably, he's minor. You know, he's probably 16 or something. 
And so now the kid's traveling. He's on a journey. He even said to his mom, I love it because I know you're traveling soon. If we can meet up and travel together for a little bit. Change the context. Understand your, and this is all part of talking to teens. We're developing a methodology now that we'll enact on a mass medium platform very soon. That's going to change the way parents communicate with their kids over text. Over text. Over text. Because that's where a lot of the communication is happening. That's true. So if you can take a sentiment analysis of what a parent is trying to communicate, trying to get the essence of what they're trying to say, and then run it through a statistical model that knows, okay, you're trying to say this, but you're using these fucked up words, and you, this is the best way based on your kid's skill. So do you have like a one, would it be like a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing where you have one person from talking to teens that sits down with one family? Yeah, we have a consultancy uh, as a facet of what the business is doing now, but really it's, we don't want to raise any money. We don't want to take, we don't want to give away equity. We know exactly what we want. We know we can build it on our own. We just want to develop our core foundation, which is this method of breaking down a child based on their skills, based on their values, understanding some core principles. Andy's read every single book, pretty much, and article ever written on research. You know, he's he used to work um, for LMU as a research psychologist and um, through the National Institute of Health in 2018, he had one of like the record-breaking scores on an application for a, for a grant, you know, ever on a first draft. He's a genius. He's like a savant. He's the smartest guy that I know. And so um, we're discovering what the foundational learnings are from everything that he's learned. We're taking it into a very, building it into a palatable and relatable package that is talking to teens through our educational courses, through our podcast, through our articles. Um, and eventually we'll package it, like I said, into something that changes the way you communicate with your kid. And so you kind of talked about this rooted from, you know, your time in a divorced household. Mm. What, in what ways, I don't know, you can go as detailed or not detailed as you want, but did that really stick with you and motivate you like, wow, like this might be something I don't like of what's happening. I Certainly. Hope, I hope that one day somebody can learn from my situation Mm. And this is why I want to now get involved with talking to teens. Yeah. So that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bunch uh, of examples of that. Care to share a few? Yeah. Um, I we would love your parents, by the way. We just got to put that I love out there. my parents? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love them. Great people. You know, the coolest thing about growing up, because I think maybe everyone, go, maybe not everyone, some people go through parts of their life and maybe they never come back from this where I think they hate their parents, especially I think in divorced families. You're like, you guys are such fucking assholes for doing this. At when you did. What, what age did your parents get divorced? I, my parents got divorced when I was three. So I don't even remember. Oh, that's a very good time to do it. Yeah, because you don't, you don't even, you can't even like, well, apparently according to my mom, uh, I was really upset when I was young. Sure. Because I like kind of didn't understand it, but I kind of did. That I, like they weren't going to be in the same house. But at the same time, as I and, I, and then there were times when I got older that it was still like, when I would get upset, I would maybe reference it. Like, well, that's because you guys aren't together. Or like, I would have like, I don't want to say episodes, but like, sure. I would say, no. you know, I'd start like crying and I'd be like, well, you should have not gotten divorced. Yeah. Um. So, but it's also <laughs> not enough time to be like, oh my God, I remember when we went to France that summer uh, as a family. Sure. That just never happened. Sure. So, so maybe there is no good time. That's, and that's a sentiment that I've always heard. There is no good time for divorce. Time they divorce. We were about 10. I was like 10 or 11, okay, so maybe you nine. you still remember it have, going on vacation oh. with them together. Ah, uh, 
I do have shades of that. I do. If I really think about it, I remember times very little like, you know, they're the plot points. And is that what bothered you? Or what, what, what was it? Was there one particular aspect of having that divorced family that really got to you? Yeah, I think it was one of the bigger things is going back and forth between yeah, the houses. Yeah. Or just the fact that like you can't, it didn't feel, and maybe we could have, but it didn't feel like I could have normal friendships because like those moments of inner, like there's now this filter of logistics, of yeah. added logistics yeah. Yeah, yeah. of like, well, I don't want to pick you up during traffic or like, I don't know. It just felt like there was this cloud above it's everything. Another, it's another obstacle. It's just another element, another yeah. variable. And shit is already difficult as it is, you know? And the, the most fucked up part is that there's not this like core nest of like values and teamwork going into every moment or most moments. Go further. My mom had several boyfriends who of course want to assume the father role. But like my mom was pretty much doing her own thing to raise us, working full time, raising us. You know, I think where I get a lot of my business sense, of maybe I don't have any, you know, it's yet to be proven if I'm savvy, I'm still figuring out um, what I'm doing professionally with my life, you know, whatever, that's a sidebar. I think it's a lot for my mom because I would hear countless hours of, phone conversations and oh yeah sure we offer this package blah 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 whatever the core of it though that's fucked up is that kids don't get both sides of the yin and yang of life when they come home which i think is incredibly mm. detrimental you get too much of this sauce or it's too spicy or it's too sweet and you don't have that yin yang to kind of <laughs> balance you out you know, so you get weird values. You learn warped values. Mom's always saying yes. Dad's always saying no. But when I'm at mom's house and she's always saying yes, there's no one to be a counterpoint. So you do a lot of this and you're like, why the fuck am I so extreme? So you, you know? feel like it's brought some like extremity to you? Oh, well, my parents are very extreme and in the opposite ways, but in like ironic ways. So... Um, yeah, I didn't, I feel like maybe it's kind of dope. I don't know for parts of me that I have these extremities, everything is, there is no good and bad, right? There isn't, there's just point of view. Right. Are you, is it allies or the axis? Well, it depends if you're on the allies or the axis. So there's good and bad with everything. You know, you just got to hopefully, and I think Dave Asprey, who's like the founder and mind behind Bulletproof the company and the laboratory is all about like you have 24 hours in the day. Like how many of those are you going to dwell on the bad shit that you were dealt or like relish in the beauty of all the goodness that you have? I'm, I'm more, yeah. What were you, did you have as a kid, were you, was there ever any anger that stemmed from, a, from the divorce or what? Yeah. You're pissed as a kid, as a, I don't know. Maybe less for girls. I don't know. As a little eleven-year-old kid, I was pissed. Dad, you know, mom's like, let's put him on drugs. My mom, my dad's like, you're not putting my fucking kid on meds. Like he's sad. Like the kid's sad because we're divorced. <laughs> we're not gonna medicate him. You know, 
And so there is anger associated with that. And even like that shit, I'm still working out and I'm looking for a shout out. Negin, my girl from San Diego who now lives in LA, psychologist, incredible person, smart, really smart girl. Um, shout out Negin. She's like helping me navigate um, finding my own psychologist now. It's something I'm still, I've gotten over. I've, I think I've been able to disassociate from the crazy shit my mind thinks about a little bit better now. But it's like entanglement, which stores itself in your body. It's something you got to learn as an actor. The emotional trauma gets stored physically tightness or whatever. So do you feel like acting was kind of your outlet? <sighs> acting was a really good way for a kid that felt like he could never get attention the right way to get attention in a way that was rewarding. You know? Would So would you say you were, you wanted that attention? Yeah. Was it because of a lack of at home? Or was it because you just wanted attention from your peers? I felt like I could never really connect with people or like make deep you feel friends. Like you can now? A little better. I think I understand the field that I'm playing on better, you know. So I think I can relate a little bit better to people. But as a acting is great because you can stand up in front of the fucking class and do crazy shit. And if you're good at it, people like are drawn to it like a moth to the fucking flame. I love getting reactions out of people. I, I used to love getting reactions out of people, less so with all the performing, performing arts stuff that, that I was obsessed with for a while. And so, What was your favorite role? I saw you. Actually, I was looking at your, your, uh, on your site. IzzyPollock.com. Go. Shout, shout out IzzyPollock.com. Check it out. <laughs> don't visit it. Stay <laughs> away. I don't know why the website's still alive. It doesn't represent who I am. <laughs> it does. There are two things that I it's like that, a time capsule that, that stood out there. Well, the, the highlight reel, mm. I like that. The acting one, yeah, go check it out. Um, and <laughs> shout out actors, all and the other, the world. and the other shout one that was really go. good was the, the promotional one for Genius. That there's it was very well done. The, the one, one that the we guy directed. sitting on the toilet, huh? <laughs> and all his friends, his friends that are coming to life that he's like texting the, through the avatars. And then like they all start getting coming to life and then there's like a disco ball and then they're all like, kind of like dancing in the bathroom while he's just sitting on the toilet. That was you? Did what is the, Well, yeah. not you sitting on the toilet, but you directing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you dug it. You uh, you understood it. <laughs> That's one of the things that when you're making shit, you're like, uh, is people going to get it? So Are people going to get it? Do you do you make all the promotional stuff for Um currently the the creative mind behind a lot of the aesthetic and the So yeah, so what okay. Up. Yeah. We've been talking this whole time about genies and like kind of brushing up on your role. Mm. What? Let, I, we're gonna ask it straight up. Sure. What do you do? Yeah. My goal, my job, is to find cool partners to create dope content with. Okay. To create great experiences with. So you're, but you're, not, so you're not, you're not one of the people that's behind the computer all day. I'm not programming. I'm not animating. I'm not, no. I, I mean, I'm behind a computer and behind the phone, making calls, sending emails, um, establishing rapport, building. The, you hit the nail on the head. You're like, there are so many applications for genies. Like, it's, and it's, yeah, there are. You know, when you're making this new layer, the thing is that we want it to be ubiquitous. It can be used everywhere. It can, it can come up on every single app, the way you think about it. Everything. It changes the way you interface with digital information. So I'm just consistently on the phone and on LinkedIn and reaching out to people, trying to find companies that are like, yes, we want to connect to Gen Z's, millennials, 
You know, we want to relate. We want to find that cool factor. We want to create content or experiences for our customers in a unique and exciting way. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's not cool. That would be interesting. Okay, how can we get there? You know, how do we, when you drive up to McDonald's, how do you see yourself pop out of an Oreo McFlurry and say like, don't you want to add one for 99 cents? Like, that's what we're on. That's what I'm looking for. I want to change the way people relate. And social media content is part of the relationship that we form with people because social media, digital media, I should say, drives everything. And But it's all about how do you find cool, interactive, and personalized, empathetic digital experiences? How do you make those for people? How do you find companies that want to do that? And it starts with social media because that's how we relate to it now, but that's just like the first step. And what kind of a... Uh, I mean, I'm sure... A shitload of companies want to work with you. Hmm. Thousands of inbound we've gotten, and we're, we're pre-announcement for what will be the f- world's first avatar agency. So, okay, so when you say avatar agency, that just means we have a roster of the top performers in every field's avatars, and companies can work with those avatars in the same way that they can work with talent. So McDonald's can come and say, we would love to work with Jared Goff's avatar. He's the cool, he's such a chill dude. Nice dude. You know, that's the cool thing about working at this company and especially not knowing shit about sports. I was about to say, I was about to say that. (laughs) It's like, like he he hit a home run. Yeah, they're like, yeah, is because maybe that's like the perfect. Maybe you really are. You are the perfect match for this company. Because personally, like if I saw Des Bryant, I'd be like a little fangirl. Like I'd be like, oh my god, Des, like I've loved you since I was ten. But like, I think it's perfect that you don't know about sports. I'm blessed because you see them and and you're like, Des Bryant, like, what do you play? What's your name? Yeah, he was in uh, the major leagues, I think. (laughs) Right, something like that. Yeah, he had a few home runs. Couple. (laughs) <laughs> couple um there was one other thing i was gonna say oh there's one question i actually had going back to uh talking to teens let's get at it there's one more where will this go where's this going it's the where is podcast it? oh my god where is this going where the fuck we could write a song i like where is this going do you have music yet yeah you gotta, you gotta listen to oh, final yeah. product okay I'm got, we've got havana instrumental shout out robert mendoza Shout out Robert Mendoza. Streaming on all platforms, iTunes and Spotify. Um, <laughs> it's it's a great song. And it does like the little intro. And then we have... But you'll, you'll listen. I'll hear it. And then... At, anyways. Um, oh, talking to teens. The question I had. Yeah. Um, Sorry for driving consistently. <laughs> <laughs> you... How do you think... I mean... Yeah, maybe you're still... I mean, I don't know what you, you do. But how do you think your experience is going to shape you. I'm potential father one day. Mm. How does, is there, cause I feel like, you know, for, for somebody to get involved in something like talking to teens or to, like you, like you actively are, I mean, maybe you're not there as much as you want to or whatever it is because of genius, but you still like going out of your way to do it in some capacity. Mm. Do you think that it's going to touch you in a way that's going to also affect the way you maybe one day are a father? Well, I think it is unquestionable that I'll for sure have Andy Earl in my ear being like, you shouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) 
you should probably do that, you know, along the way. And, you know, it'll be through osmosis that I learn a lot of the lessons passively right. just by hearing all of it. I think hopefully this whole chapter of life, you know, when you're in your mid 20s, I'm 26 now. And this whole period, I feel like for me, is like, how do I get my shit together to be a dad? It's not like a number one, number one, but it's in the back of your head. I'm like, I got six years before I'm having kids. If I think about it, it's a college and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's a college and a half. Right. And so I'm certainly thinking like, I certainly want to be fit. Like I want to be vegan. Like I want to kick a couple of habits. I want to instill a couple of habits. I want to work through some of the demons that I got. And so I think for what it's worth, I think some of these adverse experiences that I have had in my life, hopefully have primed me to be a better dad than if I wouldn't have had them. I, you know, I hope that that's the case. What's the biggest adversity you face in your life? Um, a failure to execute. It's mm. my biggest problem. How do you, on a day-to-day -day or on an active basis, do you try to work on that ability to execute? Because you're, 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 like, I, I'm sitting with you. This is the first time we've met. How do you think you could get better at executing? Well, I've started in a fairly unsuccessful, but definitely a step in the right direction sort of a way um, to make a checklist of what I want to execute in a day. I usually don't finish the checklist, but I every day I write down, start a task, finish it, and then the date. My ADD is probably the worst. It's not, I guess, that I don't execute. It's that there isn't follow through 100% of the time, right? There, it, I feel like, fuck, man. I feel, you like, feel like you do something, you'll do something halfway or 90% of the way, but you'll never finish it? Or is it something else? I kind of have to be prodded into taking something as far as I can, which is a really bad quality. I feel like I jump ship. I don't have that internal governor. It's something that boxing is really teaching me. Really? Yeah. When you're training and you're tired and they're just like, dude, like, I don't know. That's sort of, I don't have that competitive nature necessarily with myself. Like, come on, motherfucker. Like one more, like one more, do one more. Like keep going. You don't have that. I don't have it as much as I wish I did. How do you think you get that? I think there are several ways you can get it, but one way that I'm trying to tap into that energy, of course, is just being around the environment that I'm in. You know, we're in an environment that demands that. Um, but you got to find it in yourself. There's no one else that can teach you. And so through boxing, you know, being around people, there is a, when I'm, when I'm in the fucking gym and there's like the fat dude to the right of me, whatever, and he's like giving up, you know, there's something inside of me that consistently activates in moments where I feel like, I don't know what the fuck it is, um, when like I need to show up for someone else. It happens in my life consistently. There'll be a stranger suffering, there'll be something crazy happening, and I show up. I like, I'm there and I just activate. I don't think, I don't know why the fuck I do that. And it's like tapping into that more often. When I see someone else in need, it brings the best out of me. It really does. Mm. 
And I think so it's- So you kind of forget what you're doing and maybe help that other person. Immediately, I can't control it. It's like I'm being possessed. And it happens whenever the fuck shit is hitting the fan. And it might fuck me one day, but um, I just, that I can't help it. Are there some of, because that you, earlier on you were kind of talking about- uh, Which is a, probably a derivative of the divorce, to be honest. Yeah. Um, earlier you were talking about how at Genie's it was kind of the perfect match because you had all these ideas and you just needed, you know, somebody or something to execute. Mm. You feel like... Or, no. I wouldn't even say... I would say necessarily that. I would say more so it's like I was a really dope ball of clay who, like, didn't know what the fuck to do. Like, I was like, should I be an actor? Should I be a director? Here are some good ideas. Fuck. Like... I wanted it's, it to. It's, it's it's a it's a product of overthinking. Part of it is um, procrastination through like like thinking that I'm a perfectionist. Part of it is not acting fast enough. You know, any idea has a shelf life, and you have to act fast. You're beating the boredom curve with yourself before you're dispassionate. And I just. I get halfway through a thing and I'm like, all right, I'm done. I didn't get that lesson that I think I would have had if my parents were under the same roof. That's when you start something, you finish it. I never got that lesson nailed into my fucking head. And it is really unfortunate. But at the same time, it's brought me to where I am now. And I'm slowly learning that lesson. Do you think um, somebody like Akash, um, who executes, mm. um, what, how do you think he's influenced you? in that regard or what have you learned from somebody like that who you obviously hold in very high regard sure shout out jake becker the world's shout first avatar agent uh, and um i would say more truly the creative director um we both shared that role for some time but he definitely separated himself um in the last year as being a true creative director for the company defining the aesthetic of the social media and so on um shout out jake becker i've learned mostly from him I would say that follow through. He more than maybe anyone I know is a master of follow through, a master of like, that's my goal. And he just gets hit and persists and hit and persists. And uh, whether it's in, um, you know, he just, and maybe sometimes to a, um, a, to a flaw, like a flawed point. But um, yeah, I learned that mostly from him. And he, you know. It creates tension between us because I'm a lazy ass and he's like, a, I'm not lazy, but like I definitely have my, I have this problem, right? And so he's been the biggest role model in that regard. And what is it, what is it, what is one thing that you, other than this, that you really want to learn from a maybe professional aspect, personal aspect, um, to, I don't want to even say to, to be better at, mm. but to, to improve that you think that'll take you to that next step. Cause I feel like you're, you know, especially in this kind of environment and based on the kind of person that, at least that I, from this hour and a half that I've been here talking to you, you know, you are, you, you're hungry for that next step. Mm, certainly. Like what, what, maybe it's a characteristic, maybe it's a, you know, a physical thing. Maybe there's something that, what, what's going to bring you to that next level um where you're gonna be more in tune with yourself and reach that higher success professionally but also mentally 
listening to that quiet inner voice when it comes. Striking while the iron's hot and not acting out of fear. But really what it all kind of boils down to is simply waking up with the boxes that I know I got to check. Checking those boxes. And at the end of the day being like, yo, were those the right boxes? And then reevaluating from there. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? 36. Daddy is he? Father is he? Yeah, I guess I have a four-year-old. Hopefully. You're set on this 32 being the time. It's a one and a half colleges. It's one, it's exactly. And what you're saying is two and a half colleges away. Holy shit. So high, a high school college and a master's degree at USC, but not the kind that you do on the weekend, mm. like full-time, two years. So where you see yourself, father of- in After high school, college, and a master's yeah. of time? Thirty-six. This is a quick therapy session. Yeah, I don't. I haven't had vision. I haven't been focusing on that. I mean, maybe that's better. Maybe you're living more in the present. No. Uh, hopefully, by that time, I will be able to enjoy the ability of getting my work done. And also having time for a creative expression that is out in the world and being enjoyed. That would be the ultimate, you know, being able to honestly be in like on a massive property in Colorado or Montana or something and wake up and work on a sick creative project and then being able to release it into the world. I really want to not have to worry about money. It plagued a lot of my childhood with my mom specifically. I really? saw her really suffering with mo like not, you know, financial obligation and responsibility and all that. Is that something? Yeah. How much does uh, financial aspect weigh your decision making in your profession? Too heavy. Really? Yeah. I'm very much sent on establishing financial independence. As a number one priority. But I mean, I guess the, the good thing is that at Genie's, you know, you have a job, but you're also so financial, financially there's revenue, but there's also that clear drive and enjoyment for what you're doing. Mm. Certainly. I mean, you love what, I mean, for, at least from the vibe that I get, you know, you, you're passionate and you get into it when you're talking about your products and the things you do on a daily basis. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just thinking. I don't know. I'll be ten years. Yeah, twenty nine. We're, we're gonna come. We're gonna come back here. Twenty nine. Oh, no. Thirty six. Oh, we're even talking about me, man. Oh yeah, twenty nine. Thirty six. We'll uh, we'll be back here, and we'll do episode. Actually, come back whenever you want, man. <laughs> you know what? You know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You you come back whenever you want. And one day we got to do you and Akash. I feel like yeah. that's a dynamic duo. I feel like He's the man. I would just be quiet. I'd listen the whole time. Really? Do you, yeah. do you, are you a good listener? I think I, I've gotten better at it. 
do you think it's because of your time at Genies and working with people like Akash and yeah, I mean, it's really important that when you're communicating with anyone, you have to hear past what they're saying. And, you know, that's a big acting thing. It's like, what's the subtext? Like, what are you really saying? It's like, I got to go. But are, really saying, are, you like, are you really saying, like, fuck you? Or are you really saying, like, um, I'm sorry, like, I just can't do this anymore. Right? Like, we're done. When you're saying, if you simply have the line, I got to go. What are you really communicating? And so, in business and sales, everything is subtext. Oh, well, our bicycle is at a glacial pace and, you know, it's just one of those things that, like, we're really interested. Um, and we can circle back, you know, when the time is right. Like, that's me putting them on mute and saying, like, fuck this, this call's done. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no one is ever saying what they're saying. And so that's a big thing is listening past what, and that Akash. Is he direct? When he tell like. Yes. Very direct. Very direct. And do you, you think, have, do you think somebody at that level and somebody who's truly successful, they like, you know, Akash or, uh, you know, uh, shout out Akash, putting you in the same category as Elon shout Musk. Out Akash. But like, you know, like the Elon Musks of the world, the Zuckerbergs, like those people, they have to be direct. They have to tell you what they're actually thinking to get shit done. Do you feel like that's something that you've really seen being at a startup? Um, of this level? Um, yeah, There's no bullshit. There's no bullshit, but also there's, you know, you have to be able to flip when it's such an intimate environment and so high octane. You got to switch between family and business. It's like, it's like, yeah, all right, I'm blue face, baby. Like, face of the West Coast. And then it's like, if we don't ship this fucking thing by next week, I'm going <laughs> to fucking kill you. You know? Yeah. And so, um, not, I mean, like, not really, but like, it's high stakes. It's a multi hundred million dollar. Do you ever tech feel company. that pressure? You feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the best way of putting how do you, it, how do you, how do you take on pressure? Depends what sort of pressure. Um, but I'm pretty good with pressure, you know? Um, I, I think the best is probably brought out of me when I'm put under pressure. Unfortunately, I wish I had that self governance. But when someone else is enacting pressure, man, like my best work came at 5 a.m. before the essay was due or the fucking documentary or the film was due. And it's like I'd been up, you know, however long. and But it was never finished. And it wasn't polished, but it was just dope as fucking unique. And, um, uh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to tap into right now. It's like how do I put that on myself, that pressure? Pressure. Pressure. I think that's a pretty good place to end this. I just want to give you, first of all, you are welcome whenever you want to come back. <laughs> I, you, Akash, Andy, whoever the, all your guys. All the boys. No, I just want to, I genuinely want to actually thank you for taking the time. Um, yeah, man, of course. I, this is actually our first time. I We got it. One more shout out for Alana. Shout out Alana because she Because I was Nexus. in New York a few weeks ago and she... I was telling her that I was going to start this podcast. It was something that I was really interested in. And I don't even know if Genies wasn't in the same conversation, but she was just telling me like, oh, have you like heard of Genies? And I was like, no. And she was like, oh, like sometimes I'll like repost their stuff. And and then she told me like, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like I actually never heard of Genies before. And 
so she 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 tells me about genies and she tells me about how what her relationship is as like a high school ambassador or whatever the whatever the title is and i'm like okay that's kind of dope like who 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 do you know like who could i contact to talk more about it and she put me in contact with you so big shout out to alana thank you for doing that thank you to her for making this happen Shout out to Fourth Street Recording Studio. Shout out to Izzy Pollock for being here. Shout out Felix Levine, guys. The professionalism on this guy, super put together. Um, you know, hey, does this time work? Totally understand. We can get a studio here. I don't even know. It's almost like it's like a mind blow to me when people are like, "Yo, this is gonna happen, and it's gonna be like this, and then it actually is exactly like that at that time." Like that's very rare, especially today. I appreciate it. And Felix here has his shit together enough. On um on the show that may change its name to where the actual fuck is this going? Ooh. I'm open to name changes. No, no, I'm not gonna do that to you. I love whatever you're doing. This is awesome. Um, shout out Felix, you know, putting the stake in the ground, saying he's gonna do something, following through. 19 years old, he's gonna do big things, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out Felix Levine. Thanks, man. Hey, that's a perfect good end. Boom, boom. boom.